This is the Syndicate Logistics Podcast. You're listening to Power Up Mondays with Will and Tim. Keeping it between the lines and moving it down the road starts right now. Hey guys, Will Smart here with another episode of the Power Up Podcast. Joined as always by my lovely, bodacious, handsome, smart, successful co-host. Some call him Timbo Slice. Some call him the Timinator. I call him Tim Hutchinson. Timbo, what's up? My good friend, Will. <laughs> I call him Big Dog. He is uh, uh, hes one of the most <laughs> amazing guys I've had the pleasure of meeting. Jeez. And he's a freaking powerhouse. He's been sick though. He's been sick lately, and the dude shows up at work anyway. He crawls into this place because it means so much to him. That's the level of dedication the man has for this place. He's an awesome leader. I call him a good friend, Big Dog Will. What's well, going you. on, man? Thank you, buddy. Yeah. yeah so man. I, I forgive forgive me if I sound a little a little hoarse. I'm a little uh, been a little sick, but um, we're powering through. Power podcast, powering through. Amen. Episode 32, coming at you live from the flagship in Invergrove Heights. Timbo, today, how's that fence, by the way? You know, that fence is going along pretty well, actually, uh, except I I ran into one little snafu, and the snafu is... Chase is very worried about you, by the way. He's worried about the, la- <laughs> the, labor, that, the labor that's required for it. <coughs> What's interesting is that right where we're putting up this fence, there are, are uh, the roots from three large sugar maple trees, and these roots are prolific. They're freaking everywhere. Okay. And on top of that, right where we're putting the fence, there are utilities. Oh. There are power lines, <laughs> gas lines, phone lines, That's cable hilarious. lines. We have already, so we have to hand dig everything slowly and carefully through all the tree roots and cut the, and we need. Can't the city come out and, and like help do that? Like, or like at least mark where it is? Uh, well, they they come. Well, here's the thing: is that they come out and they say, "Here's what they do. You call eight one one. You can a little public service okay. announcement. People, people say here, if you're doing any digging in your yard, make sure you call eight one one first. They come out and they mark they mark the area. Yeah. But what they say is, you know, utilities can be up to two feet away from their markings. And I'm like, well, according to that, according to all their markings and where I'm at with putting digging these uh, uh you know post holes, uh, I could hit a gas line at any time. Oh, so we have to. So we have to do it. We have to dig all by hand. We can't use the oh, power. We can't use God. the power auger. And there are freaking roots everywhere. Sounds like a nightmare. It, it, it is. It's a freaking nightmare. How many have you got? How many holes got dug? I have got. We needed to put up twenty two. Oh. posts for, for for this section that we're doing this year. Yeah. Next year we're gonna, we'll finish off the yard. Um and and. Finish up the rest of the yard is going to be a breeze because there's no utilities over there, no tree roots. We're going to power auger. I so, mean, so you're doing the hard, you're doing the hard one first. I yeah, like yeah, like we're knocking this one out because this will literally, this will take uh, to put up 21 panels. You have to have 22 post holes. Yep. We are about 75 percent done right now. <sighs> That's good. That's it, good. That's better. And, than... and it's been and it's been six days of hard oh, work. Oh my god! Hard work to get that far. And, and and now you compare that to like next year. Next year when we put up the rest of fence, the rest of fence is gonna be even longer than this. But faster. But we'll, we'll put all in one day. I know. He's power dog. Right? Yeah, we'll put. But, yeah. That's when they came in. Chase came in. He said he's like, yeah. He's like, he's like honestly, I'm, Tim's got. He's digging this fence, or he's putting this fence up, and he's digging these holes himself by hand. And I'm like, I'm like, why isn't he using a power auger? Yeah, exactly. And then I found that that makes sense now. Yeah. Well, <coughs> good luck to you, sir. Thank you. I, I I do appreciate that. And and one thing real quick here, in the days of old, you know, they used this uh, um, 
excuse me. You know, they, they, they use the cement. You know, the in the days, days of what? In the days of old. Oh, days of old. Okay, gotcha. Days of old. Way, yeah. way, way back when. Yeah. You know, they, they say, yeah, you pour, you pour two, uh, two 40-pound bags of cement there, add some water, mix it up a little bit and let it set. Well, you don't do that anymore. Now they have this, uh, these two chemicals you mix together and, and it makes foam. It makes okay. a, 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 like a rock hard foam. Really? So it's actually kind of cool. So we're mixing stuff up. We pour it in the hole. We watch it just kind of. You know, uh, so the footings aren't the footings aren't cement anymore. No. It becomes it becomes something hard like cement, but it's yeah. Not, is it heavy like cement when you're in the bag? No. Really? That's it's crazy. Super light. So when it when it comes together, does it become does it gain weight? Two two forty pound bags of cement are now replaced by a packet that weighs less than a pound. No shit. Yeah, I kid you not. It's super, Whoever super designed, whoever developed that is really doing genius. well right they're, now. They're, they're a freaking genius. You mix these two chemicals together, what? pour it in the hole, and you want, it's, it's like it's like if you take, if you took a glass, okay, yeah. and a dry pop, dry soda, yep. you just pour it in, how it foams yeah. up, exactly what it does in the hole. But then it, 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 can, it gets hard. It gets super hard. Does it does it get heavy too? It does not get heavy. You don't, you don't, you don't need it to be okay. heavy. Gotcha. You need it to be hard because yeah, yeah. the ground around it gets packed down yeah. and it holds it there that's crazy we've already we have already had we had a windstorm come through and remember this is a six foot solid panel fence and i mean we've got uh, like maybe about a dozen panels up already with just the foam holding the post on the ground we had a windstorm come through probably 40 mile an hour winds rock solid not moving anywhere just foam i'm like this is great just win baby just win baby all right so <laughs> sorry we're uh on a tangent on that that blows my mind though anyways so we're bringing it back into transportation and freight. Everyone knows the the rules here. Where you know Tim and I talk about some different topics around the transportation transportation industry with a hope of having some impact in a positive way. Um, today we don't really have necessarily a, a topic, just one. We're going to kind of talk about some headlines or some some news topics going around the industry um, that we think are interesting. Hopefully, you know you guys find them interesting too. We can get a, I'll get Tim's feedback on them. He doesn't know what they are quite yet, but he usually has some pretty witty witty responses. <sighs> So Timbo, first one. Here we go. Your boys, Uber. Okay. My boys. I like Uber. I like Uber too. I like Uber. Are you? Yeah. I, I was gonna go Uber, Lyft. We'll just, we'll just, we'll debate that later. Um, <laughs> okay. So Uber, you know, obviously they 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 cut their teeth in and they grew humongously in, in car sharing, ride sharing. Right. Um, and then they moved into Uber Freight, which is basically a a broker a broker platform that they have a mobile app that. Um, shippers, as long as carriers can, you know, match freight together. Well, you know, I really didn't. I really wasn't blown away by Uber Freight. Um, you know, we haul some loads for them once in a while, but really their value proposition, I don't think, was as strong as they thought it was going to be. Okay. I think they thought they were going to be a bigger impact player when they came in, and they realized that they're playing against guys like Coyote and C.H. Robinson, who have been in the, been here for 100 years. Well, Robinson has, and they're 10, 11, 12 billion XBO. So they weren't really a play, and I was like, I just, I, I honestly thought that they would shut it down. Then I saw a headline about this new thing they're doing, and it's called Power Loop. Have you heard about this, Tim? A little bit, yeah. T- tell me about it. So Power Loop, what they're going to do is basically they're going to acquire a, a, a lot of uh, drive-in trailers. I shouldn't say drive-in, but trailers, and they are going to allow shippers to create a drop trailer pool network wow. you know, at their facilities. And I thought that was kind of cool because. The, now there is a value proposition for both carriers and customers if I'm a shipper. If I'm a shipper and I'm really just, I'm struggling right now with, with, with getting billed detention because I can't get trucks loaded fast enough. I got guys waiting. It's throwing, it's throwing transit times off. Hey, Uber Freight will come in and they'll drop, I'm sorry, Power Loop will come in by Uber and drop four or five trailers for me. And I can load those as my 
my work capacity is there. And then those trucks can come in and just drop and hook them. There's no more detention costs. I'm saving on that end. Wow. And for the carrier, it's like, hey, I don't have to wait. You know, with, with ELDs, everyone knows, man, your, your right. clock starts ticking. That damn thing is gonna, isn't going to stop. And, you know, you only make money when those wheels are turning. So it's like if I don't have to spend any time at any shippers or any receivers and all my time really out there is productive making money, that's a big win there too. So I'm like, Uber, hats off to you. That's a Amen smart idea. I mean, what do you think about it, Tim? You know, I think it's fantastic. I mean, you know, and not only that, just uh, there's no more – uh, arguing or, or billing for detention time. There's no discussing that because yeah. there is no detention time. The guy shows up, there's my trailer. Yep. Here's an empty, I'm taking a load of buy, I'm down the road. And you just think about the extra profit that you're going to be making, especially as an owner operator. That yeah. it, it's, uh, it's almost like like uh, it's almost like a dream. That is it really, it nice. really is just like a dream. And just so everyone knows, I mean, you're when you're at, I, I guess, I'm going to, don't quote me on this necessarily, but once you're pulling inside that power loop network, it's just power only for you. So you also, you're making money essentially at the bottom line by not having a, a trailer cost, right? right? You don't have to own your own trailer or lease a trailer. You're pulling their trailers on each end. So, you know, it's, you know, depending on what the rates are, and again, I don't know what they're going to be paying, but I mean, it seems like a pretty good proposition for that, that owner operator, you know, or yeah, a small, even a small carrier. You know, you don't have the, maybe the, the credit worthiness right now or the financing to get yourself a, a handful of trailers. You know, here you go. Here's an opportunity where leverage leverage Uber's ability to buy, leverage their customer base, and, you know, and just freaking drop and hook everything. You know, you have to, now, I don't know, you know if you know the answer to this or not, but Power Loop, is that going to be more of a local, regional, or will it be over the road? Will it be anything that's national? Or, I mean... You know, I think, I guess, judged by what I read, I believe it's going it, to gonna be national. They didn't, they didn't necessarily say that it was going to be specific to a local or regional play. I bet it does start smaller, though. Yeah. Um, just as they scale it out and see how it works. But, I mean... I remember when I worked at C.H. Robinson, this was a huge issue for us on a, on a third-party side, on a broker side. Mm-hmm. We had a hard time finding carriers that wanted and, and were willing to drop trailers for us at our customers. So this really solves that. And I mean, I know, we had so many clients and so many customers where if we, ha- if we had the ability to offer this, we would have gained a lot more business. So I, I see this scaling at a, at a large level. I think ELDs obviously have really burned, you know, lit a fire under shippers' asses to either 100%. get better operationally internally or else figure out a solution. And shit, this could be the solution. You know? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, if the if the whole industry went to drop and hook, come on, that would be fantastic. I mean, I, that's not feasible when you're talking LTL, but if you're talking full loads. Uh, drop and hook is absolutely the way to go. I mean, it's it's the driver's favorite. They yeah. don't have to show up and you know dink around and you know figure out what door do I go into and how long you're gonna be and whose turn it is, where's the line and yeah. all the rest of that crap. It's just here's your trailer, where's mine? Yeah, they said yeah, um, boom, boom, let's go. Parlu said its eventual goal is to help create a single interconnected trailer pool system in which shippers can implement drop operations as needed and eligible carriers of any size can move those trailers anywhere in the country. So. Wow. It'd be cool to create wow. kind of like this interconnected network. Um, I know they said that Anheuser Busch already signed on. I mean, I'm sure the large shippers, <coughs> yeah, you know, who probably have million dollars in spend every year in detention, uh-huh. are looking at this like, yeah, let's fucking. They've been trying for years to fix their detention issues. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. One of the big questions that that come, that that I that I would raise would be. What what are what will the rates look like? Yeah. And, and and that's really a big unknown. What are the rates gonna gonna look like here? Yeah. I mean, are are they, are they gonna come in at like you know twenty percent 
under under what what the industry average is, or are they going to be on par with average? Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of unknowns and all this. Yeah. If I was if I was still an owner operator up there, that's one of the questions that I would ask. I mean, I would appreciate that they provide the trailer. No. I don't have any rental cost that no payments no yeah. maintenance on that none of that yeah yeah so yeah the, the, the kind of that fine the fine print of like what the liability is the maintenance piece of it i'm right. sure again I don't, i'm not sure on those um also like you said with the rates i don't know if it's if you're inside the power loop network or you just have a contracted rate for right. all miles you do as on a for your power release um unit so yeah a lot of a lot of unknowns out there but i think just on, on paper some really cool opportunities maybe coming up for you know those small right. owner operator fleets um or just owner operator themselves the to really kind of get in at some of these large shippers and yeah. not have any more wait times. But hey, it's Uber, and I mean, really, I mean, Lyft was there first, and then along came Uber, and, and apparently they just they just know how to do it right. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I like you know, Uber; they're, they're aggressive. Yeah, exactly. And you look what, what they've already done in the transportation industry. First of all, <coughs> this whole rideshare thing has completely upset the taxi industry. Oh, and yeah. they come in and, and they just turned it upside down completely. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times do you say, "Get me a taxi"? Now it's "Get me an Uber." Yeah. How often do you say, "Get me a Lyft"? You know, it's "Get me an Uber." Yeah. It, it, it's almost so, yeah. like you, they have the brand name. Yeah, yeah they they have branded this. It's like it, it, it's almost gotten to be like you know back in the day. Uh, I was real big into inline skating, and we call it rollerblading. Oh yeah, and uh, and rollerblading, you know, say like, hey, let's go rollerblading. Well, roller and, and it wasn't until like a couple years later they found out the rollerblade was actually a brand from Minnesota. Yeah, exactly from out in Minnetonka. Yeah, yeah. it was a brand. Yep. you know, and yeah. uh, I. I I thought I thought that was just the name of the sport. Yeah. You know, kind of like with Uber. It's you know get hey, there first and get get to a market first and dominate. Exactly, yeah. and that's what they're doing. So this Power Loop thing, yeah. if they do anything anything with Power Loop that's close to what they did with their ride share, yeah, this is the winner. Yeah, I agree. All day long, it's a winner. I mean, shit. I mean, it could, it could come to a point where maybe I mean carriers of a certain size just won't buy trailers anymore. Right. Good thing we just bought ten more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next topic. Uh, glider kits. Glider kits. For anyone out there who doesn't know what a glider kit is, basically a, a, a Enlighten us. Well, do you want to enlighten us? Or no, no, go ahead. A glider kit is going to be a, basically a brand new chassis um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a tractor, right? right? But they're going to put an old motor in it, a rebuilt motor, right? right. But, but doesn't have any of the, you know, the EPA after treatment system, any of those type of deals on there. Um, so basically an, an old... Great running, 60 series Detroit. Right. You know, brand new tractor. Um, you know, to kind of skirt those the laws around around the um, the after treatment systems and the right. EPA regulations. And basically, people were doing that because this, it, the cost of ownership on a on these newer trucks with all this technology and shit, it sucks. They're breaking down all the time. The fuel economy isn't there. I mean, fill they got DPF filters clogging constantly. Um, so glider kits are kind of like the the, the, the resolution to that. I mean, what do you think about glider kits? I absolutely love glider kits. Why? I absolutely love them. The chassis, the body, everything. And I do mean everything is brand new. Think of it this way. You have a brand new truck, 100% completely brand yeah. new, okay? Now, get that visual in your mind where this is a sweet ride, it's just the way you want it to be. It is brand, brand, brand new, zero miles. Now, Think about that DPF system. Think about the extra cost of DEF fluid. Yeah, now, true. now think about now think about having all that go away. And and the only thing that's required to do is take out that current engine, the one with all the emission controls and all that crap and all that stuff. Okay, yank all that out and put in a professionally rebuilt motor, which I think is every bit as good as a new motor. Anyway, I mean the metal's already been seasoned in it. 
so you're not gonna have to worry about cracks and all the rest of that stuff. It's a seasoned motor, and yeah, I'm with you on the Detroit 60 series. Come on, <laughs> uh, you I know, love that thing. yeah, well, things will just go on like like forever. Dump a little oil, keep it running. Hell, you got it. So, two thumbs way up on these things. The reason I bring it up is that you know there's. There's been, obviously the EPA put in regulations to try to, I guess what they said was clean up the, the air pop, the air pollution and, you know, basically the environment is the reason for doing it. Right. Um, but what the uh, Tennessee, Techno- Tennessee Technological University came out and they put a, a report out basically stating that there really isn't a difference between uh, a, a glider kit truck, right, and one of these new trucks. They're just, they're, there's, no, there's no real difference. So... You know, obviously, the EPA is taking a shit on that. And they're <laughs> yes, freaking they out. Are. I think they're yeah, they're they're really freaking out about it. But um, good. I just think that let's just get rid of all that. Stuff. Hey guys, hey guys, <laughs> we got low sulfur diesel fuel. What else do you need, Mister EPA? <laughs> Pull the head, O U T. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's where we're at right now. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll step off that <laughs> soapbox here. We'll keep this positive, but I mean, absolutely. I mean, if they are if they are every bit as good as, as the modern engine, um, why do we want the extra cost of that and the hassle? And how how many times have you guys been out there in your in your trucks running the DEF fluid with the DPF filters and go, oh wait a minute, I'm sorry, I got to sit here for 45 minutes while it regens. Yeah. What? No, man, screw that noise. Go get yourself a glider kit and older motor. By the way, I've heard that the that the uh, older motors, yeah. okay, that the pre-emission control older motors, like I think like 2007 earlier, though the cost for those used, ready to be rebuilt, used, have like damn near doubled. Uh, yeah, because yeah. the demand yeah. for them is so high. Yeah, the demand for them is crazy it high. It is crazy. I mean, yeah, yeah. you can't, you, they're hard to find. You can't <laughs> right. find. I, you, if you were to go try to find like a, two, a, a, a 60 series out of a 2007 Columbia, yeah. no. damn near impossible. No. So I told, I told Paul Molitor, I'm like, Polly, that truck dies. Yeah. <laughs> I want the motor. Exactly. I want the motor out of it. Yeah, one of our best drivers here, Paul, Mr. Paul Molitor, not to be confused with the now former coach of the they the, let him go oh yeah when yeah uh like i think like a week ago they, oh, they, they let him go yeah wow, I'm not yeah they, they were they were named some other some 37 year old young kid really or, yeah what's his name they just announced it anyway <laughs> not to be confused with that guy he's one of our best drivers though he's got one of the most older columbia's and paul paul when your truck dies Will and I are going to arm wrestle over who gets that motor. He's at one point. Will will win because if you've ever seen Will's arms over here, dude, the biceps are like as big as my thighs. That thing's got 1.5 million on it. It has never been rebuilt. His freaking Columbia. Yeah. The 60 series. And just fucking things just going strong. I, <laughs> yep. I wish, like, I, the 2007 Columbia, my favorite truck. Right. Fleet truck. And everyone out there, yeah, I love Peterbilt's too. I love Ken, Kenny's. I love, the, I love the chrome, big stacks, et cetera. I'm talking about as a fleet truck, the 2007 Freightliner Columbia with the 60 Series Detroit and a 10-speed Eaton Fuller. Mm-hmm. Fucking truck was amazing. It was a freaking yep. war horse. Like, yep. Cost of ownership was minimal. They did break down. Just beauties. So, I guess point being is, you know, obviously the EPA came back and they stated that their independent study showed that glider kits emit like a, a handful more of the terrible toxins and shit into the, and pollutants into the, into the environment. But, I don't know. I don't know where I stand at, Tim. I and the EPA is always right, aren't you? <laughs> I just understand where All right, Tim, back back off with those anarchy-type comments. Tim, we're going to get a freaking cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We're going to come want to look under the hood. 
No, I think that those those glider kits, man, that Fitzgerald glider kit company, they fucking they they're onto something. So, you know, I know that anyone who's doing something that's skirting regulation <laughs> is out. They're always gonna be a target. So we'll see. Exactly. How the right. loophole. Last topic. All right. Um, autonomous trucks. Oh I'm, I'm going to combine two things here, Timbo. Autonomous trucks and one of your favorite guys, Dwight Eisenhower. Yes, sir. Ike. Ike. So there's a new company, uh, an autonomous truck company named Ike. They named him after mm-hmm. Dwight Eisenhower. Awesome. Um, and just kind of talk, they were talking about, and I guess we can just maybe talk about autonomous, you know, some of the... I don't I guess fears is, is a question is, is a is a statement to make. You know, fears of autonomous, um, you know, what we think the pros, what we think the cons are as we move towards that, because it's not going away. It's a constant thing, you know, whether it's Tesla or anybody, you know, I'm just I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. You know, hey, here's the deal. Autonomous trucks, it scare the hell out of me. I'll just be straight up with you. First and foremost, you know, we, we talk in this industry about safety, safety first all the time. And I say, well, you know, how often do electronic, things that are electronic and mechanical items uh, function perfectly every single time, year after year? Mm-hmm. Almost never. The difference here is that this is not a go-kart on someone's private property. This is an 80,000-pound truck going down the highway with your family and my family. What happens when it malfunctions? Yeah. Now, I understand that they probably have some go out there. You know, we had like with a uh, Budweiser deal, like an 800 mile trip with a fully loaded uh, trailer and everything, full of beer, and uh, come to my house. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, but, but I mean, they had a driver in the seat the entire time, you know, and I, I'm okay with that. If you're gonna have an autonomous truck, at least for a while, have a, have a driver, you know, behind the, behind the wheel all, all the time. You know, but even then, you know, we're moving in a direction where eventually they want all these trucks to be autonomous. So there's not going to be any drivers in them. You know, and, and, and I mean, you know, and, and they may think, well, they're going to save money by not having a driver. But I'm, but I'm saying the extra cost, you know, of all this equipment in the truck is going to offset that <coughs> big yeah, time. So, and not, not only that, I, I look at it and I say, I say not, not, it, how, comfortable is, how comfortable are people going to be Okay, knowing the truck next to him, there's no driver. It's all mechanic. I don't want anything to do with that. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I really don't. Also, if this is a multi-day trip, um, who's pre-tripping this truck? You know, and uh, and and if an accident happens, what ha- who who renders aid? And if you end up in ice and snow, how is it correct? How does it know? You had a thought about tomorrow. What, what to do? I mean, uh, uh, these things, these things. Freak me out, and now, and, and and last thing here. Now they even talk about, they even talk about. Well, you know, we'll have an autonomous truck that won't drive all by itself, a hundred percent. What it will do is it will it will follow another truck that has a driver in it. Yeah. Well, that's fine and dandy, but okay. So now you get a driver who has to pre-trip two trucks and two trailers. Yeah. You know, and if and if something happens to the truck behind. What's the driver of the truck in front supposed to do? Look at me and go, damn, there it goes off the road. You know, what's he gonna do? You know, pull over and that messes up his trip. No, I, I'm sorry, I'm not a fan. How do they get fuel? Yeah, that's what I wonder. If it, if it, if it didn't, have, if it didn't have a person in the truck with it, <laughs> like, it, like, does it fuel? <laughs> exactly. Is it not? It's not practical for for long trips. The only way that they could do something <laughs> like that would be to set up. Um, um, checkpoints along the way yeah like you know as far as you could drive in one day like say say 800 miles in one day 
every 800 miles you have to have a checkpoint the truck pulls in you pre-trip it you feel it you do all that a post-trip pre-trip yeah. feel do all check all the systems there make sure everything's okay yeah. i can see the upside to this i mean if this worked out perfectly first of all first of all these trucks would not need to be on on the the 14 hour rule yeah. they could go 24 hours a day because yeah. there's no you know, there's no human in there that needs sleep right you know they don't need downtime they can just they just go as, as long as they checked once every 24 hours absolutely they can continue to go i can i can see that and also i understand that there's a driver shortage in the industry so i i get this they'll help alleviate some of that but on the but on the other side it's really for me is i see a lot of the upsides but the big downside for me is always about safety yeah what if this thing malfunctions and there's no one there to grab that wheel and go, right. no, I mean, a tire blowout, what is it, what's it going to do? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's going to crash into people. Come on. Yeah. I think, it ain't working. I think for, the foreseeable, for the foreseeable future, it, it will have an operator in that cab, right? It will be on, it'll be autonomous, but there needs to be, just like a pilot in a plane, right? When that plane's right. flying, it's on autopilot, right. doing nothing. But in the, in the, in that moment when something happens, that pilot's going to grab that yoke. Right. So I think it'll be like that. I think there's a lot of positive upside. I think, you know, by leveraging technology, um, you're not going to have driver fatigue, drivers falling asleep, that kind of stuff like that. Right. Where um, and I, So I can understand the safety piece there. Um, I think, you know, what I like about this Ike company is they're not trying to reinvent the wheel. They're like, look, he makes a quote here. He said, it would, it would, it would actually be very foolish of us to try to build a truck that could do all the things a truck driver could do. Right, yes. he said that's potentially impossible, and I agree. So for them, they're basically they're they're focusing on creating autonomous trucks just for the highway, right? Not intercity driving and nothing like that, just the highway. From there, a local driver can make the delivery piece. Um, so I, you know, I, I like, and I also like that he says they're taking this, they're they're being patient with this. Um, that's really what their whole article is about. It was talking about how in technology, people seem to rush to get to the market first. It's like in this with this type of shit, hell no. I don't want no. an eight thousand pound bomb being rushed to the market. Exactly. So I, I like what this Ike company's doing. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. Obviously, autonomous and electric and all that stuff is really kind of at 100%. the forefront of a lot of uh, venture capital and stuff like that. So, you know, I think the industry as a whole. I think anyone who's out there holding out hope that we're going backwards and we're going back cowboy and paper lines will be back and and technology's going to stop. It's it's not, guys. You know, owner ops out there. I know you want to fight. Leverage it, right? Embrace right. it. Find the technology. Embrace it. How can it affect you in a positive way? Because right. if you sit and you fight, it's only going to negatively. Right. So find, you know, whether it's with GPS or anything, find the best, find the best ELD you can find that's most productive for you. Same thing with GPS. Everything. Leverage the shit out of it because there's a lot of stuff out there and a lot of stuff coming to the market fast for cheap. Yeah. And that's where the really coolest shit about it. Yeah. Is there's so many players trying to play that the prices are really becoming effective for anybody. Right. So you can really operate your business from a freaking cell phone almost at this point. It's kind of crazy <laughs> to think about, but you can have your your your, book, your QuickBooks right on your phone and your your router. Like you can pull up the profitability of a load. Like there's so many cool companies out there, guys. Mm -hmm. So you know, just like anything, I say leverage it. You know, find your strength and and, and focus on that. You know, my kids. Uh, we were having a conversation at the dinner table a couple of nights ago, and one of my kids turned to me and says, "Dad." What's the greatest invention of your lifetime? And I said, you know, I says, I honestly, I remember TV back when there was even a VCR, and this is true. VCRs. Yeah, before there was even a VCR, I mean, so I'm a little bit older. So I said, but the greatest invention of my life, of my lifetime, hands down period, is the internet. Yeah. 100% is after the internet. 
the, the connectivity and I mean now everybody has uh, has has access to uh, uh, so much information it's, it's like information overload yeah you know and so and really what's happening is, is that it's allowed this world of connectivity so that you got this idea over here some guys got an idea B over there in the old in the old world they were never connected but now they know about each other yep. now we're watching we're, we're, we're really watching what uh, there's something called Moore's law and in Moore's law says that uh, computing power or, or our, our you know technological power doubles every 18 months. I'm really watching this happen. I, I watch it really exponential grow. growth. Yeah, it, it's just crazy. It scares me. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not saying that autonomous trucks will never work. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, I like this article. I like the fact that they're saying let's take it slow. It's something doable. Yeah. But we can't rush, rush it. to market. It's not like not like Uber. We talked about Uber. It's not like Uber. We came in and said we're going to totally dominate, and they just yeah. blast on the scene. You can't do this. This is yeah. all about safety, guys. I'm not comfortable. I could see. I can see in 10 years, in 10 years, yeah. where these autonomous trucks are acceptable mm -hmm. okay, yeah. for the highway. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't ever see them in inner city. I always see it on the highway. That's really the only place I see it. Um, I, and I think if there's if there's companies like this, like company, that are going to be responsible with it and take it slow and be, and be safety first and safety oriented, I think we can get there. I think if you have companies that are trying to cut corners and get there first and put some shitty product out there that ends up killing right. people, shit, that'll, that'll torpedo the whole thing. Exactly. So I think it's cool 100%. to see some people that are really taking an approach that's, yeah, sure, it's not going to be the fastest there, but it's going to get there in a good way, and it's going to when it gets there, it's going to be sustainable. So. Okay. Now, guys, let me tell you something here. If you're concerned about these autonomous uh, trucks taking over your job, you're concerned about the safety on the road, this really has you in a wad, so to speak. <laughs> There's only one thing you can do about it. Start truck driving. Keep truck driving. Keep going. The yeah. more truck drivers we have out there, the less need there is for autonomous trucks. And the best place to be a truck driver is Syndicate Logistics. Hey, Shameless yo. plug right there. Shameless plug. I'll throw that one out there. Boom. But really, I honestly, I, I don't think that the industry is moving towards autonomous trucks as a, as a cost-saving measure as much as it is just to respond to a need. We yeah. don't have enough drivers out yeah, there, right. but the product has to move. So what are we going to do? If we don't have enough drivers, <laughs> we'll get these trucks to drive themselves. Yeah. You know? So guys, let's go. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Thanks for that plug, Timbo. Yeah. If anyone's out there, you know, looking for a new opportunity and we would love to have you here. You know, we're a smaller company and we're, uh, I'll tell you that we do, uh, I mean, we've had a lot of applicants lately, but none have made it through, you know, so right. we, we want the best of the best. We want the safest of the safest, the most productive drivers we can get. If you want a place, you can come be respected, make good money. Um, and we just do things right. Yeah, check us out. We're Syndicate Logistics. We're here in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Our website's www.shipwithsyndicate.com. You can give us a call at 763-515-1330. Hit extension 6 for recruiting. Um, but yeah, check us out. We'd love to give you an opportunity to uh, see if we can be a match for you and you be a match for us and collaborative partnerships and dominate. Absolutely. And, uh, Timbo, we end with three words always. Yes, sir. Just, just win, win, baby! baby. Woo!